Thanks, Ron. Last week I was channel surfing and I found and discovered that the movie Selma was on and so I started watching it. I'd seen it when it first came out in movie theaters and it was just as powerful watching it again in my own home. For those of you who have seen it, you know that there are many powerful scenes and some of the scenes that I've been reflecting on this week are scenes in which you see Martin Luther King Jr. struggling with his decisions and actions that he has made or is about to make. Those decisions that he knows may have harmful, even deadly ramification for those who are with him and march with him. I am no expert on the life of Martin Luther King Jr., but I do believe that he was true to his calling as a follower of Christ, a calling that ultimately cost him his life. I can only imagine the thoughts, fears, questions, and feelings that ran through him as he sought to be true to his calling, to be true to following Christ, to bring about transformation, and to bring the kingdom of heaven near. Was MLK Jr. perfect? No, he had his own vulnerabilities and shortcomings, his own brokenness, as we all do. And like the disciples uh, we heard about this morning. In today's passage in Matthew, we hear this gospel writer's telling of the sending out of the 12 disciples. Up to this point in Matthew, Jesus has been the one preaching and teaching and healing and sharing the good news of the kingdom. But now he calls out names his apostles and sends them out. Did you recognize the names as Rod, Rob read them or as Stephen mentioned them in the children's sermon? I couldn't help but thinking earlier this week, I guess Reverend Straub's worship and wonder stories have rubbed off on me because I couldn't help but wonder what they were thinking and feeling as Jesus gave them authority over the unclean spirits and instructed them to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. I mean, did Thomas have questions about this directive? Was he doubtful of his and his peers' ability to do what Jesus instructed? And what about the sons of thunder, James and John? Did they immediately start talking smack to one another? Viewing this directive as competition, seeing who could cure the most, the fastest, and therefore be the best. Peter, did Peter start out on his journey confident in the abilities given him only to begin to question and doubt as more and more people came to him for help and healing. And what about Judas? We only think of Judas as the betrayer, right? But as Brian Stevenson, author and activist, has said, each of us, we are more than the worst things we've ever done. What about you? as you have sought to serve, to live out your calling as a follower and a disciple of Christ? What thoughts, feelings, and emotions have you had at various times as you weighed the cost of discipleship, the cost of using your voice and taking action? We are told in various places in scripture that the cost of following Jesus is high. In fact, later on in Matthew 10, our passage from today, Jesus warns of this danger as he talks about the persecution and rejection the apostles will likely experience when he says in 16 and 17 see I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves so be as sharp as serpents and as innocent as doves. 
Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. This is no kumbaya stuff, is it? No, this is Reverend James Reeb, a social worker and minister joining the civil rights movement and in 1965 being beaten for marching with King and dying from his wounds. This is chaplains, nurses, doctors, healthcare workers, those in nursing home and hospitals working, lacking appropriate PPE, putting themselves at risk to serve and save lives, sacrificing uh, time with families and so much more, maybe even their lives as they work hard to save those and help those with COVID-19. This is Reverend William Barber being arrested for advocating for the poor and oppressed. This is police joining with protesters and protesters joining with police to seek a better way with the risk of criticism, the risk of threat from those who view such actions as harmful or a waste. This is preachers and people of faith proclaiming the kingdom of heaven has come near and working together to make evidence of that kingdom near. Yes, this is ordinary people, disciples like you and me, like the disciples of long ago who are drawn to the radical welcome and love of Jesus, who seek to follow Christ's direction to bring healing and wholeness, to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out demons. For when these things occur, they are sure signs that the kingdom of heaven has indeed drawn near. Some of these images like raising the dead and cleansing lepers and casting out demons, they may seem foreign to us in some ways, but they aren't really that removed from us when we think about it. I appreciate what Greg Carey has said in his commentary on this passage. He writes, where the realm of heaven is breaking out, we find healing and liberation. This is what we need to know. And he goes on to talk about the exorcising of demons. He says, even those of us who cannot get our imaginations around real demons tormenting poor individuals can relate to what it means to be bound by a power one feels powerless to resist. Such demons need not be found only in the other, in those people, he says, but they reside whenever evil has us firmly in its grip. Many, all people, find themselves bound by behaviors, patterns, or structures they cannot escape, often cursing themselves when they repeat the same behavior time and time again. And he finishes by saying, when we imagine the realm of exorcism, let us imagine liberation, freedom from powers that constrain us and prevent us from living full human lives. Powers that constrain us and prevent us from living full human lives. What has been constraining you lately? From what do you seek liberation, healing? There is no doubt that we as a community and country and as individuals are faced with looking at the ways that we, uh, the power that we hold and the ways that we have thought and lived and been that have deeply harmed and limited our brothers and sisters who are people of color. 
You know, while it is easy for us to read this passage today and primarily think of ourselves as the ones who are to go out on mission for others, perhaps for just a minute we should consider that maybe we are the lost ones in need of healing, the ones who need to be set free from the demons that constrain us and therefore others. This came to my mind as I listened to Torrance Williams share about his relationship and conversations that he's had with his father-in-law. Torrance is a young professional black man who is passionate about engaging in dialogue about race relations and he joined our chalice group this past Tuesday for a discussion on racial injustice. In this time of sharing, Torrance talked about when he first started dating his wife, who was white, how his father-in-law admitted that he was struggling with their dating. His father-in-law com commented that he didn't believe himself to be racist, but he realized that he had a lot of demons that he had to fight because he wondered why he had issues with one of his daughters dating a black man. Torrance talked about how his father-in-law has grown and changed over the last many years in his viewpoint and attitude, and I'm so grateful that Torrance shared that. And I appreciate his father-in-law's openness in that relationship and being vulnerable to sharing what he was really thinking and feeling so he could grow. I appreciate hearing how their relationship has changed and how his father-in-law has been set free from those demons that possessed him, that bound him, that prevented him and those he loved and cared for from living full human lives. And I hope we will all continue to be open to learning and growing and working for change to continue Christ's mission in the world. There is no doubt that there is much work to be done, so many things that we can do and are doing. Our church's prison reentry group just received a note of thanks and I wanted to share it with you this morning. It said, please thank the Beargrass Prison Reentry Committee because of their investment in me nearly nine years ago. I am so blessed to celebrate birthday number 55 in Ashland, Kentucky with my kids. Blessings to all. Love, Richard. If this isn't the kingdom breaking forth, I don't know what is. Another story of healing that I greatly appreciated from this week, one that speaks to curing the sick. We just heard about one of raising the dead, I think. It's about a hospital worker who's credited with saving a patient's life. Jason Denny, 15 to 52 years old, he had contracted COVID-19 and he was alone in his pressurized hospital room dying. Rosara Quinteros, a hospital housekeeper, urged Jason, who had received last rites from a priest who had essentially said goodbye to his family over FaceTime. She urged him not to lose hope. She told him that his life was in good hands, both the doctor's hands and God's hands. She told him God was not done with him and encouraged him to keep fighting. And through their brief daily interactions, when she came to clean his room, healing and hope were offered. Jason is now home from the hospital, and while he certainly gives credit to God and the nurses and doctors, he especially gives credit to Rosera for saving his life. As the article indicated, for six days she became a ray of light in his suffocating darkness. Another 
really cool part of the story is that being from Guatemala, English is not Rosara's first language, and yet she and Jason formed a bond. And she said, when a patient is treated with compassion and love, language is not a barrier. Of course, Jason has reached out to her via text and hopes to thank her in person. And he said, people don't realize in their brief engagement with other people, the words you say matter. And in the situation I was in, they really matter. Words matter. How we treat each other matters. This is true in our individual interactions and relationships with one another and in our corporate treatment of one another in society, in and through systems, be they businesses, healthcare, law enforcement, education, the list goes on and on. How we treat one another matters. Jesus knew this. Jesus was all about this. And he knew that following him and living like him would demand a lot of his followers, that engaging in mission and in sharing the good news of the kingdom, that it would be costly. Perhaps that is why he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let's take a look again at Matthew 9, 35-37, Jesus is going about the villages and teaching and proclaiming the good news, healing and cure, curing folks, and it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Did you notice the instruction to pray, to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest? Praying is so vitally important in our following Christ. Sometimes we are the answer to our prayers, like the disciples in today's passage. This Friday morning, a small group of 10 church members met at a church member's home in her backyard for a time of scripture reading and prayer. And we hope to form more of these small prayer groups. And if you're interested in participating in something like that, be looking for more information in the coming days. Anyway, we gathered for around a half an hour and those gathered shared what has been and is on their hearts and minds with one another and with God. It, it was an incredibly meaningful time and one of the things highlighted the most and talked about and prayed about the most was racism, about what we can do to bring healing and wholeness, to bring changes, to draw the kingdom of heaven nearer. There is no doubt the harvest is plentiful. There is much work to be done. And as I mentioned earlier this week, whenever I hear this passage on the laborers, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, I can't help but think of a chorus to an anthem we sang in my church's youth choir. Lord of the harvest, place your fire in me. Servant you need now, servant I will be. Give me the eyes of your spirit, your heart of compassion to know. Lord of the harvest, show me where to go. Give me the eyes of your spirit, the heart of compassion to know has always been my favorite part of this prayer, and I think that's why I've remembered it for so long. 
But I think this is a meaningful prayer for us today in the midst of everything that we have going on in our country and our community and our lives. And so may our prayer be today and always. Give me the eyes, give us the eyes of your spirit, your heart of compassion to know. Lord of the harvest, show us where to go and let us listen, hear, and go, knowing the cost. Thank you.